Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh, his, maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Notice, notice what your heart departs from the Lord when you begin to trust in man. He shall be like the heath in the desert, shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. <clears throat> About, oh, eight months ago, Paula hurt me. She said something that deeply hurt me. She didn't know she hurt me, but she hurt me. She doesn't hurt me near as much as I hurt her. We're human beings. How could she apologize? She didn't know she hurt me. It's not something major. It's just one of those hurts. I was cutting grass on the corner of our lot at 807 Magnolia Drive in Jennings. I was by the stop sign when I asked the Lord this simple question. How do you unhurt? a heart he gave me the answer and I want to give it to you tonight my message how to unhurt a heart In the name of Jesus Christ thank you for your powerful presence I ask for strength to speak touch my voice use me melt every cold heart in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I plead the blood of the resurrected lamb. I bless new life. They have brought new life into my life, into my, the church I pastor's life. I thank you for this family, for this church. In the name of Jesus, I ask for help in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. <clears throat> the heart is a fickle thing. At once it loves something, and then later it despises the very thing it once loved. And all the young boys say amen. <laughs> Have you ever had a more difficult boss? One who tells you one thing on one day and then changes the rules the very next day. Today you love this color. Tomorrow, for no apparent reason, you can't stand the color. I'm describing girls from ages 8 to 12. It's like your taste buds. It seems the heart has the power to morph to change, to transmogrify into something it was not just moments, hours, days, or weeks earlier. Have you ever gone shopping for a particular item, having your mind fixed on what it is you're looking for, only to be stuck or struck with a sense of options paralysis because you've been exposed to so many options, you become confused and choose none? The culprit, the perpetrator of such great frustration is the heart. The human heart has been the cause of more marriages and divorces and remarriages and re-divorces. At once you love him and can't be without him, and then at once you can't stand him. No amens, right? Y'all are all scared. Mm -hmm. How is this possible? The answer, again, is the human heart. The heart is a powerful force, so powerful that it has the power to wreck an almost perfect life 
And powerful enough that if exposed to the gospel, it can transform a wicked sinner into the kindest of Christians. The human heart. So our focus tonight is the human heart. Since the heart is so powerful, the wisest of the wise warned us. Proverbs 4 and 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Your job to keep Hebrew. It's your job to guard from dangers. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. It's as though Solomon commanding us to place our hearts in a prison and to set a guard to watch over it. Why? Why would Solomon say that? It's because out of the heart are the issues of life. Life issues from the heart. The heart has the power to issue life. From the heart, life. When you put your heart into something, you're giving that something life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Keep thy heart. If you kept reading in verse 24, he would say, put away from thee a froward mouth. Verse 25, let thine eyes look right. Verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet. He said to guard your heart, we must train three things. Our mouths, our eyes, and our feet. That's what we say, what we see, and where we step. Now, all of this affects my heart. What I see, what I say, and where I step. In Jeremiah chapter 17, this is the rest of the text. He shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots. Just skip down to verse 9. He then says, the heart, say the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? He did not say the heart of the sinner, the heart of the wicked, the heart of the addict, the heart. He said, the heart, my heart, your heart, it's deceitful above all things. And if you could hear the spirit, how it inflected, it would say, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's a rhetorical question. The inferred answer is a resounding, no one knows their heart. You don't know your heart. I'd like to think I do, but my heart is deceitful. If no one knows the heart, then we must become proficient at giving no's to our heart. The word no, no, N-O. If I don't know my heart, I got to give a no to my heart. Okay, good. Got it. The heart is so powerful that it can prevent you from being with God. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence. That's why Satan loves guilt. Because if he can bring condemnation, you cannot be confident. The word confident in Latin is confideo. It means with God. You can't be with God if there's condemnation. That's why Adam and Eve were evicted out of the garden. When they sinned, they entered into condemnation. Therefore, they could not be confideo. 
And so whenever you, if you are not mature within the body, you don't know how to appropriate the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you don't know how to appropriate the blood, if you, if you don't know how to say, <clears throat> if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Well, well, I don't feel forgiven. Too bad. You are. I've learned that. But pastor, I feel dirty. So you're clean. It only works when it comes to the soul, not the body. You feel dirty? You are. You smell dirty? You are. But the soul, I've learned not to trust my feelings and not to believe the facts. I've learned to elevate my faith above both. If our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. This is why offense is such a powerful tactical weapon for the enemy. I'm going to introduce you to a term that's very difficult to pronounce after practice and rehearse this. It's a chemical. The name of the chemical is batrachotoxin. Batrachotoxin was used by South American Indians as a weapon. These Indians would dip the tips of their darts that they would shoot out of their blowpipes to hunt their prey. Patrachotoxin kills by interfering with sodium ion channels in the cells of muscles and nerves, jamming them open so that they do not close. And the result ultimately is heart failure. Patrachotoxin results in heart failure. Patrachotoxin kills by heart failure. The poison is taken from a frog. The golden... Philabetes. Hmm. The golden Philabetes terribilis. That's its name. And also the multicolored Philabetes by color. What it is is they sweat out the poison over a small fire and they take the sweat and it becomes the poison, batrachotoxin, that is placed on darts. How powerful is this venom? It has an LD50 around 2 micrograms per kilogram. What is an LD50? LD50 is the lethal dose amount of an ingested substance that kills 50% of the test sample. So how poisonous is this poison? An amount the size of 2 grains of table salt will kill you. But trachotoxin kills through heart failure. It's a poison. It's a venom. That's the size of the little booger. Here's an interesting fact about the frog. Captive-born frogs, in other words, frogs that are raised in an environment where, they're, where they are fed a steady diet, where they are held in a zoo-like environment. They are in a reptilian farm. This these captive-born frogs of this exact species are not poisonous, suggesting that their poison is derived from their diet. What made them poisonous was not originally in them. It's not in their DNA to be poisonous. What made them poisonous was something they internalized. Something they swallowed. 
Something you believed. The Bible says the tongue is full of deadly poison. When it comes to poison or venom, with serpents, it's in the fangs. But with humans, it's in the tongue. Your bark is worse than your bite. And this is why you have to be very careful to whom you give your ear to. Because if you give your ear to the wrong person, you can be poisoned. There are people that I cannot pastor in Jennings, Louisiana, not because I'm not called of God or because I'm not qualified, because they've been poisoned. Someone has spoken to them about me a lie. Did you know that the Bible says Satan is the father of lies? If I tell you that this man is the father of this son, you automatically know at least one thing about this man, that he could not produce that son without the use of a mate, a mother. Because if there's a father and there's a son, there must be a mother. If Satan is the father of lies, then we know he cannot produce a lie by himself. He has to have a human being to mate with. So when I open my mouth and proceed to speak a lie, I am literally sleeping with the enemy. So when someone lies and speaks a lie to me in my ear, it has the potential to poison my heart. Somehow Joseph, Joseph had an anti-venom in him. He has dreams. He's despised by his jealous brothers. He's cast into a pit, sold into slavery. Potiphar purchases him. He's seduced, or at least she attempts to seduce him. Mrs. Potiphar, he's falsely accused. He's placed in prison. He interprets dreams of two of the inmates, forgotten by the one that is freed, interprets the Pharaoh's dream, and then becomes the governor of Egypt. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused and forgotten by those that helped him, by those he helped, rather. But the fulfillment of his dreams depended solely on his response to his hurt heart. The fulfillment of your dreams are dependent upon your response to your hurt heart. Think about this. The salvation of the entire Jewish race relied on one person's ability to forgive his brothers. If Joseph doesn't forgive his brothers, the entire nation will be destroyed. There, there are no 70 that migrate from Canaan to Egypt. It doesn't happen because Joseph refuses to forgive his brothers. He's got a right to be angry. You realize that whenever you exercise vengeance, you are stealing from God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So is the tithe. I'd be careful with either one of those. Joseph learned how to unhurt his heart. Let me ask you a question. What do you call someone who teaches you how to love and how to bless and how to do good and how to pray? What do you call that guy? If I was to quiz you and say, come on, just give me some suggestions. What do you call somebody that teaches you to do? The, he taught me how to love. He, t- he taught me how to bless. He taught me how to do good. He taught me how to pray. Would you call him pastor, bishop? Would you call him apostle? Would you call him evangelist? Would you call him mentor or leader? The Bible gives him a name. Enemy. You've heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them 
that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you. That verse tells me that these people teach me how to love, how to bless, how to do good, and how to pray. You believe every promise in the book is yours? You believe that? Every promise in the book is mine. There's some inherent promises right here. I say unto you, love your enemies. What's the promise? You are going to have an enemy. And that blows my mind because I, I'm the nicest guy I know. <laughs> How can you not like me? Well, you, you're, you're gregarious. You're, you're boisterous. You're, you're an insensitive jerk. I've been told these things. You got a car salesman smile. What? I've never sold cars. There are promises in this verse. Bless them that curse you. What's the promise? You will be cursed. You don't get away from this. That's a promise. There's someone that's cursing you right now. The Bible says to bless them. It says do good to them that hate you. What's the promise? You're going to be hated. There's no way to avoid this. They hated Christ. What did he do wrong? Nothing. And you do a lot wrong. Of course we deserve hate. But it's a problem. I don't want it. Pray for them. which despi- You're going to be despitefully used. You will be persecuted. So how do I get this venom out of my heart? Had a neighbor who was a classmate of mine named Chad. Chad has a daughter named Frankie. Frankie and Chad and what's the mother's name? Can't remember the mother's name. Doesn't matter. They live next door to the church. And I, I remember her, Frankie would, would sit out on the steps of her house and she would listen to our church services. And we'd be in the church and our little 40 by 80 center block building would be just Holy Ghost. And and I'd see Frankie outside listening. And and Frankie would grow up to be a teenager. And finally she's in high school. And one day they had a big old party at at their house next door to our house. And all the teenagers decided to park all their cars in the church parking lot. And word got to me that, Pastor, there's a beer party going on at the church. I get to the church and there's beer bottles in the church parking lot. And there's all this all kind of craziness and I pull up I'm like what is going on and I go next door and they're drinking and it's just all kind of stuff and there's no adult supervision these are minors that are getting jello shots and and I am like and they all know me because I've done motivational speaking in the schools for 25 years I've taught bible studies in the public school for 24 years and I've done the dare program for 24 years so they all know who I am oh it's Mr. Cliff it's Mr. Cliff I said stop it right now everybody get in your cars and they take off peeling out in the church parking lot leaving the beer cans I'm like what's going on so I called the cops and the cops show up and 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 then uh they said pastor do you want to suppress charges I said no I don't want to press charges these are my neighbors I don't want to be a stench in their nostrils it's just and then so there's little Frankie with her mama and Frankie says Mr. Cliff mama said I gotta do whatever you say I have to do and I said excellent you got to come to church three Sundays in a row <laughs> I gotcha so the following Sunday, she doesn't show. The following Sunday, she doesn't show. And then the following Friday, I see her at an event, and I say, Frankie, you promised you would come. She says, oh, Mr. Cliff, I want to go, but my dad won't let me go, da-da-da. Well, I know her dad. He's a friend of mine. I went to school with him. And so I, the next weekend, I'm at the church, and I see her dad cutting the grass, and I go outside across the street, talk to her dad, kind of cut up with him, and tell her, hey, Chad, did you, did you come to church with your, with your daughter? He begins to curse me. He begins to throw out words that all of you are familiar with you blankety blank she ain't coming to your blankety blank church he proceeds to curse me lower than a dog I don't want to go through the whole story but I will tell you this it got in my ear and then it got in my heart all I could hear were the curse words of this man he cursed me 
He cursed me on that Saturday. It stayed with me on Sunday. It stayed with me on Monday. On Monday, I'm cutting the grass on my fast 16 mile per hour hustler, 50, uh, 60 inch. Oh, you got to wear goggles. That's awesome. Everything's fast. I'm cutting the grass and, and I, all I can hear is his cussing over and over. And how do I get this out of me? And the Lord gave me a simple principle. Pray a hypocrite prayer. You know what a hypocrite prayer is? It's a prayer you don't mean. That's what Matthew 5 and 44 is. Bless them that cur- How are you going to do that? Lord, he just fired me. I lost my job, my 401k on a false accusation. Now, Lord, give him double income this year. You pray that prayer, you don't mean it. You know, don't look at me like that. You don't mean it if you say that. That's how I got it out. I begin to pray hypocrite prayers. I begin to say things that I did not feel and did not want, but I said it anyway because the Bible teaches me that my tongue is like the rudder of a ship. And if I can begin to pray these prayers, it will steer my life. Your prayers have more to do with the prayer than the prayee. Maybe the only prayers God answers are the ones we're willing to answer. You pray a prayer, God save my neighbor, and you won't teach them a Bible study or invite them to church? That's a hypocrite prayer. Everybody smile. Abraham's father got hurt. His name was Terah. He lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah. That hurts. His youngest dies before the father. He died in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. In verse 31 of Genesis 11, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law and his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran. And they dwelt there. He had a son named Haran. And there's a city named Haran. And when he got to the city that was named after his dead son, he dwelt there. Then the Bible says the days of Terah were 205 days. And Terah died in Haran. Which was the name of his dead son. Terah could not get past the pain of his past. Terah died in his history and he would never make history. He was to go to the land of Canaan. That's what the Bible says. They were going to the land of Canaan. He never made it to the land that was promised. Because he could not get rid of a hurt heart we've all experienced Haran pain, loss, betrayal death of loved ones if you're not convinced that God has a good will towards you you will dwell in Haran and you will die in Haran you need to Haran from Haran Hurt hearts hurl insults. Hurt hearts lash out and retaliate. Hurt hearts hurt 
other hearts. All bitterness starts out as a hurt. Bitterness is being focused on what has been done to you. Your emotional pain may cause you to view the one who provoked this hurt as having malicious intent, as committing a grave injustice toward you, as gratuitously wronging you and causing you grief. Stephen Diamond, Ph.D., defines bitterness as a chronic and pervasive state of smoldering resentment and deservedly regards it as one of the most destructive and toxic of human emotions. Bitterness. Holding on to anger and bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So, how do you unhurt a heart? Are you ready for it? You are going to get hurt. This is unavoidable. Go ahead and, and make the foolish statement, I'll never love again. It doesn't matter. You're going to get hurt. Just, it's just life. It's a part of it. Father, how do you unhurt a heart? And this is what he spoke to me. So I've, I've done all of this to come to this point, and everything I say after this point is going to s- simply support this principle. To unhurt a heart, you unheart the hurt. To un Hurt a heart. You unheart the hurt. Keep thy heart, for out of it are the issues of life. It's from the heart issues flow. It's the heart that gives life to things. The way you unhurt your heart is you stop giving life to the hurt. You stop. You stop giving your hurt CPR. You stop giving your hurt mouth to mouth resuscitation. Oh, I've seen saints do mouth to mouth to resuscitate a hurt. Let me tell you what he did to me. Mouth to mouth and I resuscitate this hurt. You put the hurt in a room and on the door, you put DNR. Do not resuscitate. Leave it alone. Let it die. That's easy for you to say. You got it made. You up there, preacher, and you, you and Pastor Harpo, y'all up there, and you, you got, y'all ain't, you ain't been through nothing. My father-in-law was the pastor for 25 years in Jennings, Louisiana. For 20 of those 25 years, his wife was having an affair with a, a man that was 30 years her senior. And for at least six of those years, he was having an affair with another woman in the church and had a son with, with that woman. And then he came to me and told me that God had spoken to him that I was to be the next pastor of the church. I didn't want to pastor the church. I didn't want to stay in Jennings. I've been in Jennings my whole life. I preached my first youth camp in June of 1994 when I met your pastor. I finally got, oh, I get to go out and do something. And and now he wants to resign. My friend said, take it. You remember the discussion we talked about? Oh, just take it for six months. And then you can leave. That's what I'll do. I'll take it on an interim basis for six months and then I'll go. 
I didn't know that Gertrude uh, Dupre, uh, Gotro, I didn't know that Gertrude Gotro, it's South Louisiana, tobacco chewing, welding, bar owning her own bouncer, Gertrude. I won Gertrude, baptized Gertrude. She got the Holy Ghost. After that happens, I'm thinking, who's going to take care of Gertrude? I'm not going to trust her to some other guy that comes along and won't love her. Doesn't know about all the hours I spent in Mermintal teaching her Bible study and working with her. So six months after I'm the interim pastor, I become the pastor. A year and a few months after I become the pastor, my, all this immorality comes out. My mother-in-law moves her boss of 20 years into her house. Still coming to church. My father-in-law's in the Philippines. I have to call him in. Now she wants to, she hates Paul and I. And she's afraid that he's going to come back and kill her. It, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. What? I didn't do anything. Uh, this, this story is so sordid and deep and long. I don't have near enough time to give you details. All I'm telling you is whatever good has come in my life has been the result of my response to wrong to pain and to hurt. God did not allow the hurt in your life to destroy your heart, but rather to develop your heart. Do you think it shocked God when all this happened? That this man would do these things who would, who would accuse me of stealing the church from him? You can, and, and causing the, their adultery. I was a part, I caused a divorce. His daughter and I. Whenever my daughters, his grandchildren would see him, he wouldn't even recognize them. It had nothing to do. This is hurtful. If it wasn't for Wade Lorman, I wouldn't be preaching today. If it wasn't for Wade Lorman, I wouldn't have this woman as my wife. If it wasn't for Wade Lorman, I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be saved. How can I? I've had to learn how to handle hurts, wrongs. I could tell you sordid stories of pastoring family. That's a blast. That's so fun. Because I have to be uncle and pastor. I have to be brother-in-law and pastor. And so here, here's this, well, my God, he says, I'm not letting anything. I'm not saying, you go on and do what you want to do. You just go ahead and do it. I've never said that. But yet we have to wear the weight of those accusations. Brother Tenney was my pastor forever. And he taught me, Clifton, when it comes to accusations, your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies won't believe one if you gave it anyway. So I don't chase down accusations or accusations. I just keep living and doing and being. People can think what they want to think. I know who I am. I know what I am. If you want to know who I am, ask my wife and ask my children. Because they're the only ones that really know me. My church doesn't know me. They got a persona. You don't know me. You just believe what your great pastor tells you about me. But you don't know me. You really want to know about Clifton Lejeune? Don't ask a member of my church and certainly don't ask a former member of my church. <laughs> you want to know me, you go talk to Paula. You go talk to Eden. You go talk to Aaron. They're the ones that I'm trying to impress. Because they see me behind. You can ask them if they've ever heard me cuss. If they've ever heard me do all the things, all the garbage I've been accused of. It's, but all the stuff, you know what it's done? 
It's developed an iron cast around my heart that protects it from all these. I've learned to let it just roll off the thickest skin on my body, which is my back. Roll off, baby. Just keep on smiling. <laughs> I can shake hands with people that despise me, that cuss me out. She comes to church every Sunday. About seven years ago, she cussed me out. You blankety blank blank, just screamed and cussed and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just say, praise the Lord, sister. How you doing? She never apologized. She never explained anything. That's just, what are you going to do with people? What are you going to do with the person that's wounded you and hurted you and, and exploited you? What about the one that molested you and never got turned and never got caught and now is dead? How can they pay? Trying to help you unhurt a heart. Stop nursing the hurt. Stop feeding the hurt. Stop providing its shelter. Stop making sure it remains alive by keeping its memory alive. We're convinced our cause is a righteous cause. This was no illegitimate hurt. It's not something we simply made up. Why, this was a bona fide, 24 karat, genuine, humiliating personal attack. As though we are above that. It's amazing how wrong we become trying to prove how right we are. I'm telling you I was right. <laughs> well, your spirit's all filed up. Brother Tenney taught me, if it doesn't infect your spirit, it can't affect your destiny. You have to learn a principle from David Sunflower Seeds. On the pack of David Sunflower Seeds is the key to success in life, in ministry, and in marriage. Has anybody ever eaten a pack? Excuse me, not the pack, but David Sunflower Seeds? Some? Do you all know what sunflower seeds are? Okay. David was a man after God's own heart. David sunflower seeds. On every pack of David sunflower seeds, you'll see this tagline. This is powerful. You heard me right. I said powerful. On a pack of David sunflower seeds, it says, eat, spit, be happy. <laughs> oh, you think that's cute? I'm trying to be spiritual right now and give you principles. You're going to laugh at me. Eat, spit, be happy. That's powerful. I was sitting at the breakfast table at the house, and I saw that pack of David. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, oh my God, that is awesome. Eat, spit, be happy. On the back, it gives directions. Eat the seed, spit the shell. I know people who eat the shell and spit the sea. They internalize junk that don't matter. People they'll never see again. Criticize them and say something about them. And they quit going to church. They spit the seed, swallow the shell. You got to be able to discern what is seed and what is shell. Seed is what is very important. Shell is not important. Well, how do I know if it's important? Easy. If it's important, then I import it. If it's important, I import. I don't swallow. I don't internalize criticisms from people that don't matter. 
So I'm going to tell you right now, you folks don't matter to me. Look, I said that one time at a, a lunch lady, I'm sorry, food service technician convention. Yeah, I'm a high caliber, high powered motivational speaker. And so the state of Louisiana hired me to go speak to these food service technicians. And so I got up in a big room of about four to 600 food service technicians who are predominantly black, which is awesome because they know how to go with me. And so I got in there and said, uh, none of you matter to me. And as soon as I said that, they just, <laughs> I said, hold on. I said, you matter to someone, but you don't matter to me. And I explained that the people who matter to me are the people whose opinions about me cause me to change my behavior. From the word, see the word matter is taken from the Latin word mater, mater. And from the word mater, we get the word maternal. And from the word maternal, we get the word mother. And when the word mother is used as a verb, it means to nourish. So the people who matter are the people who nourish me. You're not supposed to be nourished by. That's why celebrities become retarded because they believe the fans matter. That's why it's so dangerous with your social media and the likes on Facebook. You know how many friends I have on Facebook? 5,000! I've got a waiting list of several hundred. I don't know any of these people. Why would I change the way I look, dress, act on their opinions? His opinion, my wife's opinion, my children, and the precious few who matter. That's all that matters. If you think I'm ugly, fat, stupid, bald, dumb, whatever, I'm not changing a thing. I'm leaving tomorrow and going home. And I'm going to go back to where Paula and Eden and Aaron love me and think I'm everything to them. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be rude to you. I'm trying to help you. Eat. Spit. Be happy. Know what is seed. Know what is shell. Recognize that it's the ankle bites of lesser men who constantly criticize you. They're jealous of you and of what you have. I'm trying to help you unhurt a heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When, when my father-in-law died... Right on Christmas in 2013. God have mercy. After he divorced my mother-in-law, he married his nephew's wife, who was the age of his oldest daughter. Pay close attention. So her children, who called him Uncle Wade, now he's their stepfather. After they were married for about three to five years, the middle son goes in the woods with a rope and hangs himself by the neck. This story is so sordid, I can't even tell it over the microphone. Of course, they divorce, and he marries his third wife. Oh, did I tell you that he never stopped preaching or pastoring all this time? I ain't right. Well, well duh. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff that ain't right. What are you going to do with all that? You're going to try to fix it? Or are you going to trust that God who knows all and sees all is sovereign? You stay focused. You just get you and Jesus Christ. Listen, I saw a young man whose relationship status on Facebook changed from married to it's complicated. 
Anytime your marital status changes from married to it's complicated, there is one thing I can guarantee. There's a third party involved. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ, it is to be uncomplicated. There are no third parties involved in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my pastor. But if they all desert me, they all backslide, this is going to hurt. This is going to cause me great pain. But I will not abandon him. Because one day I'm going to stand in front of him alone. I won't have Eden and Aaron. I won't have Paula, Pastor Anthony, or Brother Tenney. It'll just be Clifton and Jesus Christ. How am I going to look at him and say, you could have done better for me. Calvary wasn't good enough. Why did you allow this? To, Clifton, this was all for your benefit. I thought I gave you a verse. And we know that all things work together. And Clifton, didn't you look up in the Greek and see that the word purpose is derived from a word that refers to the table of showbread? And you're the one who preached about the showbread. Don't you remember that, Clifton? It's a showbread that fed the priests. They got strength from it. It had to be refreshed on a regular basis. And it had something bitter on it, some frankincense on it. Didn't you realize that purpose had bitterness involved? You taught that. You preached that. How can I go to him and say you could have done better? No, 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 no. Now I look back at this and like... This is all for my benefit. And so Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He figured out how to translate the betrayal of brothers into the goodness of God. You have to figure out how to translate hurt and pain and suffering into the goodness of God. This has been good for me. If you don't allow this message to penetrate your heart, you will end up taking the cynic route as opposed to the scenic route. On the scenic route, it's beautiful. It's the kingdom of God. It's awesome. All I can see is good. On the cynic route, I double, I double take on everybody. I don't trust anybody. You're all up for their own selfish ends. And I don't trust any preachers. All of you are hypocrites. You're lying about something. That's, I've seen them. I've seen them. I've seen preachers go from the scenic route to the cynic route. From awesome to awful. From yearning to yawning. The cynic route is a result of people whose hearts were hurt and never got healed. Let's stand. Lift up your hands to the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the principles that you heard today Remain in your heart as long as you live. May you pull them as specialized tools to help you when life throws curves to you. May you forgive and release the perpetrator, the pastor, the peace officer, the principal, the teacher. May you release your dad, your mom, 
your brother, your sister, whoever it is that hurt your heart. And may you unhurt your heart by unharding the hurt. Do not breathe life into it. Do not give it CPR. Do not perform mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Stop spreading it. Stop telling it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, with those hands raised high. Can you picture right now? Whatever it is. This little nagging. Mm. May your heart rate not increase when you see them at the supermarket. May you speak out prayers. May you learn to bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. May you learn to love your enemies. In the name of Jesus. Eat, spit, be happy. Don't swallow these things. Don't swallow the criticisms. Don't internalize them. You're not your label. You're not your label. He beautifies the meek with salvation. He beautifies the meek with salvation. I don't care how short or tall you are, what kind of, what size clothes you wear. Father, let me see me the way you see me. I'm clean. I'm holy. I'm pure. I'm washed in the blood. I don't have time to keep score, God. I don't have time to keep score. I want to take the scenic route. Keep me off the detour. I don't want to take the detour of the scenic route. I got to be careful not to become like that ridiculous frog that became poisonous simply because of what it ate. Just the smallest touch when it begins to sweat can kill a man. In the name of Jesus, may you never forget the Philabetes terribilis. May you never forget poison that can kill a man simply by what's ingested. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I'm releasing right now everybody that's ever hurt me. Everyone that made fun of me in high school and junior high that called me names. Thank you, God. I can walk around and see how that was meant for good. You were trying to help me. It was painful, but it didn't kill me. I did not die. This altar's open. You want to come? I know we've already had a great altar service, but if you want to maybe bring someone to the altar and leave them there. Might not be a bad idea. What's his name? What's her name? Bring them to the altar and leave them right there. Whatever it is, whomever it is, whatever it was, what was done, how much money was stolen from you? Are you still waiting for them to pay you back? You need to move on. How do you unhurt a heart? You unheart that hurt. In the name of Jesus.